0: On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast, we look back at Utah's 42-10 win over Arizona, look ahead to the big Pac-12 South class with USC at Eccles Stadium, catch up with a couple of players. Amy Donaldson catches up with former Ute quarterback Frank Dolce for a Utah by 5 segment. And Utah women's basketball coach Lynn Roberts gives us her predictions on this week's games. This and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast.
1: Hey, This is Bill Riley, play-by-play voice of the Utes and midday host on ESPN 700. And you're listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders podcast with Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, Mike Sorensen, and Trent Wood. Go Utes.
0: Here we are again, folks. Welcome mm. to the Deseret News Utes Insiders podcast. Dirk Facer here this week with Trent Wood and Mike Sorensen. Guys, how are you? Good. Great. Now we got the greetings and salutations out of the way. Let's jump right into football and break down the Utah-Arizona game. The Utes uh, scored early and often in a fourth. 42 to 10 win and I had a chance to catch up with Mitch Wisnowski, and he talked about how all three elements came together.
2: Yeah, I don't think there was too much to do. Everyone, everyone knew the, uh, the capability that we had. It wasn't like spirits were low or anything like that. Everybody knew what we were capable of doing. I mean, there was a few plays that didn't go our way on those losses that if it went the other way, you know, would be in an incredible position. But, I mean, we all knew
1: our capabilities. So
2: It was interesting to hear Mitch talk about the confidence the team had and how it never waned. I got the same thing from Brant Keithy, Utah's tight end, when I talked to him and he just talked about how the receivers and the tight ends have never lacked confidence even when they were struggling what I want to talk about is just obviously and it's well done the receivers and the tight ends had some struggles early in the year dropping passes things have changed dramatically in the past two weeks for you what was the biggest difference
1: I would just say, I mean, I don't think we were dropping the passes because we were we're doing it on a purpose. I mean, we probably weren't focusing on catches, but uh, every single day we do we do ball drills, we do jugs. So I think that's helped a lot, and I think just we've been executing more. I wouldn't I wouldn't pinpoint on a certain thing that we've been doing. It's just we finally started focusing on the ball and, and catching the ball like we should be.
2: Um, have you noticed like a
1: change or? shift and like demeanor
2: amongst the pass catchers on the team is there just more confidence
1: playing a role as well no i mean if we drop passes just forget about it and learn from it it's not that we get down from it or we get more confident after a catch we, we're expected to catch it so we should
2: are there any plays in the game that i don't know like damari's catch after when i talked to him and he was like it was an awesome play obviously yeah. got you guys excited does that help in the game to see guys catching the ball and just getting into a rhythm
1: most definitely it gives us confidence and just like like uh, J.D., Jalen Dixon, when he made that really good catch, it gives everyone a boost of confidence in defense, special teams. So, overall, just cheers up the whole stadium. All
0: right obviously, guys, it was one of those games where offense, defense, and special teams contributed, much like the game at Stanford the week before. Uh, Mike, what stood out in your eyes in the game with Arizona? Was it the quick start?
3: Yeah, I think that, and also I think the offensive line seems to be getting sharper every game. You know, they had they struggled early on, and I just think they're uh, they're p- giving uh, tighter protection now, and they're opening holes for Moss, and they kind of get overlooked a little bit. We kind of gave them a bad time early on because they weren't doing such a great job, but that's a solid thing, and everything, I think everybody's just is a lot sharper than they were. You know, it's just offense, defense, you know, the punting game, you know, field goals whatever everything is just suddenly coming around
0: I mean, it is, you know an interesting thing about the offensive line too last two weeks they've done it without their starting center yeah, yeah they've had it, uh, and,
3: uh, Orlando Umana starting and in center instead of low so that's a uh, that's a plus that they can use a, a backup and still do, still get it done.
0: Right, and I think that's obviously on the offensive line very valuable when you have a guy that can play multiple positions, and they, you know, Nick Ford as well, so he was capable of playing a little center. So units are getting through. They should get Low Fallamaka back this week, is what we're understanding. But uh, Trent, what do you see other than the offensive line and things like that?
2: I mean, it it ties hand in hand with that. But Tyler Huntley's having fun. He's pretty morose when he's in press conferences. He's pretty closed off. But he's been smiling the past two weeks. You can see him on the field. He's smiling. He's having fun playing football, which was not the case earlier.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting at the same time. He's getting a little grumpy with us, giving yeah. us one or two word answers to everything. So I think they've kind of circled the wagons, kind of a you know us against the world mentality, and it seems to be working right now. Yeah, offensively, um, defense obviously is playing well uh, too. Um, Chase Hansen's having a phenomenal phenomenal year I should say and he's really sticking it to the guys out there and Cody Barton and others and Jalen Johnson and that I mean Trend, what do you think uh, spurred the defense? Have they just been consistent all the way through, or are they getting better as time passes as well? I mean, I think it's
2: hard for them to improve. Obviously, there's there's always improvement, and I talked to a couple of the guys in the secondary this week, and they talked about how they have not met their expectations for, at all for the season, but that's because they want to be the greatest secondary in college football, and that's just not the case yet. But, I mean, the defense has just been solid all year long, and they've just been consistent, and I don't know if they're getting any better, but they're definitely not getting worse.
0: Well, talking about you talked the secondary this week. They're going to have a big challenge this week with JT Daniels and that. Are they looking forward to this matchup? They were. They were excited. They talked about how Washington State so far was the
2: hardest matchup they've had just because of schemes, but right. they all mentioned that the talent of the USC receivers was going to be fun. Yeah,
0: and that, I do know, Mike, if you've watched uh, any of that USC-Colorado game, but USC's got some big receivers that win the 50-50 balls, and, and you know, it's interesting. You think of USC, at least uh, maybe our generation, you think of tailbacks and the great, you know, Running game that USC has, but they're throwing yeah, I don't the ball of that. Yeah, that's changed. Marcus Allen was not your generation. That's-
3: yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge this week. You know, because I, I've been really disappointed with the secondary this year. They they're supposed to be so great, and it seem like every week they're giving up these big plays. And I know they have some good quarterbacks that have passing and some good receivers and that that could be the biggest problem for Utah this week is just the fact that the secondary got some tougher guys to cover these big tall guys and if they don't it could be a tough night.
0: You know I've talked to some people and they said one of the big keys to this game is going to be USC's offensive line against Utah's defensive line. USC is missing a couple guys. They've got some guys playing out of position. I believe their center started the year as a guard and he's moved over and then the guy that replaced him at guard started the season as a tackle. So they've moved some guys around and Utah's defensive line obviously playing extremely well Bradley and I is just a man possessed lately and do you guys think that's going to be a real key matchup because obviously the more heat they can get on Daniels the more successful the secondary will be oh absolutely and and like John
2: Penasini's played great too Lucky like Fotos played great and every game that I've seen of JT Daniels he's a freshman he's a true freshman quarterback who does not look great and if they can pressure him con- like consistently I don't know how he'll be able to do much
3: and then, you know also the defense Utah's defensive line is always has been the strength of their team. And the fact is they can bring six to eight guys, just kind of bring them in and out so they're fresh at the end of the game. Not many teams can do that because right. they're not as, de- as deep as Utah. And, uh, and I was going to say Max Tupai, however you say his last name, he, uh, he played it <laughs> right. You don't want him coming after you. Yeah, no kidding. He wouldn't, though. He's, he's the one guy who gave us, what, uh, six words total in his uh, press game, <laughs> post-game press conference the other It was day. his
2: first one ever. We've got to give him a break. Yeah, he
3: was not too talkative. But uh, he was excellent the other day because he had to fill in that other end spot for Tafua. So, you know, had leademen tackles. And so, as long as they have these, this depth they have, they just keep coming. And that's, uh, it's going to be an important part, especially late in these games when the uh, people get tired.
0: Well, especially, you know, against the USC makeshift or uh, patchwork offensive line, you know, they're kind of getting through to have fresh legs going at them the whole game. That should be an advantage for Utah. And it just remains to be seen if it'll be a domino effect that goes all the way down to Daniels having get, having to get rid of the ball quicker, that makes things easier for the secondary and maybe some pick sixes, or at this point I think I think they'd settle just for some picks. Yeah, they, they would they probably settle for that. What do you guys think will be the impact of the game? Obviously Porter Gustin, the uh, former Salem Hills star, is having a phenomenal year. I think he has seven sacks already. Out for the season with an injury he suffered late in the Colorado game. How big of a deal is that not to have him on the field? That obviously bodes well for the Utes, but in a way it's kind of sad to see you know, one of the nation's top players who happens to be a Utah kid, miss out on an opportunity to play in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. He'll be in the NFL. He'll be a
2: high draft pick. It'll be interesting to see how good that USC defense can be without him. I do know an interesting stat under Clay Helton. USC, I believe, is undefeated at home, and they lose all the time on the road. So that definitely bodes well for Utah.
0: Yeah, another thing. And then, Mike, uh, Cameron Smith, the senior linebacker, I think he's had 31 tackles and four interceptions in his career against the Utes. He's questionable. He didn't play last week against Colorado. Boy, that would be even another big step for the Utes to uh, yeah, bounce he's, upon.
3: he's killed Utah. Did he have three in one game or a couple
0: yeah, years ago? Yeah, the, uh, the first time he had three. Yeah. But
3: like uh, Coach Whittingham says, injury. everybody has injuries, so let's not worry about it. I mean, yeah, it does make a big difference in this case. If they're, if they're missing a guy like Gustin you know, and Smith, I mean, it's good for Utah because uh, you know, if you have the second teamers coming in, they're not going to be as good, generally. And, right. And like I say, everybody has injuries, but sometimes they're worse, and sometimes it does make a big difference, to, despite what Coach Whittingham says.
0: Well, Trent, the one thing the coaches say, also said this week is, it doesn't matter who's out for USC, because they have another five-star kid to replace them. You buy that I don't. I know USC uh, recruits great. I
2: know they have great players, but if they haven't played, if they haven't seen the field and aren't experienced, they're not going to be immediately able to succeed. I mean, even Alabama rolls in these players, but they have to get them playing time. They usually can't just throw them in there and have them be the greatest players.
0: All right, Mike, do you feel the same way? Or do oh, yeah, you feel like I, I guess he still gets yeah. some pretty dang good players. I agree.
2: Uh, they do have
3: excellent uh, depth, you know, like Utah's been having in recent years. But, you know, when you're losing two of your star players, you know, the, the next two guys are not going to be as good, and I think it's going to help Utah. All
2: right.
0: Will the winner of this game win the Pac-12 South? Is it that simple? What do you think, Trent? No, because Oregon comes to Utah. That could mess things up. That, that's a definite. Uh, it's almost uh, when Utah got in that 0-2 start hole that you know they needed to run the table to win the uh, to win things out.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I, I don't think I think uh, if USC wins this game, they're obviously going to win the division. That's just no two ways about it. So, uh, but Utah. You know, if they have a, they have to win this game just to stay in it, and then that's going to be a long road to hold for them the rest of the season just to to win the division.
0: Right. You know, the remaining schedules are interesting because you know USC and Utah were picked to be the two teams to you know compete for the South. Don't forget about Arizona. Uh, I forgot about them early (laughs) because I I never thought they were that good to be honest. I know when BYU beat them, that kind of sent a message too. If but let's let's keep them in there, but let's let's get to reality and put who the two front runners are, and then who knows, maybe. UCLA is going to get on a roll here and win a bunch of games, but I doubt it. But um, do you think USC is a very dangerous team still, other than the fact that, you know, it comes down to this one game? But are they good enough to beat the Northern Division champ in the championship game? Or, or is Utah, for that matter?
3: You're getting ahead of yourself there, I know. Here, I mean, yes. because he wins a thing. <laughs> but, you
0: know, either, just... either one of these teams, I guess I'm asking, do you think they're good enough to compete with the best of the North?
3: Well, let's see. What, seven of the last eight years, or six of the last seven, the, the the, southern, the South team has been absolutely demolished by the North team. Last year was the first time the South has even won. But uh, getting back to the, the Pac-12 South, um, you know, I, I did a story about that in today's paper. I don't know if you noticed that or not, Dirk. But uh, Of course I yeah. noticed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the thing, it comes right down to schedules. You know, Utah has the number one toughest schedule in the Pac-12. Uh, USC has the number 12 schedule. They have the easiest schedule. So no matter what happens this week, I mean, Utah, they, have, they can win, but they still may not win the division because they've got to play the top four teams in the other division. USC plays the, well, I guess you could say the bottom four. They miss the top two teams in the other division. So they've got a way easier road ahead than Utah does, and that's going to make the big difference on who wins the division. You know, But if, you, if Utah loses this week, it's, it's, right. it's over for them yes. because there's no way they can surpass Utah. I mean, on paper they could. In fact, you look on paper, any team in the league – In the South, still has a chance to win. Nobody has more than two losses. Right. But realistically, it's going to come down to three teams, and Utah... Uh, USC are going to be the the two, and Colorado, I think they're going to lose to Washington this week, and they're going to lose one or two others, so they're probably going to be out of it, too.
0: Well, you know, and and looking at the schedule, obviously the Oregon game is what looms large. How about the win over Stanford, though? Did that kind of, you know, I kind of felt that Utah needed to go two and two against the North, and obviously they're in position to be able to do that, but they have to beat Oregon. But that Stanford win was huge, too. It was huge. The the
3: problem is the timing is Utah has to win seven straight games, and that's hard for anybody do i mean you know if you maybe spread them out a little bit if they lost one early one late but to lose two and then have to go you know run the table after that it's going to be a real tough thing for them
0: well let's bottom line this mike will the winner of this game win the south uh i would say no
3: i think uh if utah wins there's still a very good chance that usc is going to win the division
0: how do you see things chant I can't disagree. So you guys are drinking the green Kool-Aid. Do you think Oregon is all that?
3: Oh, well, Oregon or, you know, Utah's got to play at Colorado, and they also got to play at Arizona State. And those are, in three weeks in a row, those games are. And doesn't Utah have kind of a, uh, in the past, they've always dropped a game in November, even a game they should win. So going by past history, for them to win every game in November, you have to say, well, is it is it likely Going in my past history, I'd say no.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. All right, it's time for our weekly Pac-12 South Pickums. Our guest this week is Lynn Roberts, women's basketball coach at the University of Utah. Lynn, how are you? I'm doing great, Dirk. How are you? Good.
4: Good to have you here. Uh, tell us when you guys get going. So we have started practice. Uh, games are coming up quickly. Our first uh, regular season home game is Tuesday, November 13th, against Alabama, uh, 7 p.m. So that'll be a good uh, SEC opponent coming in. We need all the fans we can get at that game. Game, Tuesday, November 13th. And you guys played them last year in Tuscaloosa. I imagine you like this uh,
0: scenario yes. being in Salt Lake City a little better. There's
4: a lot of reasons why I prefer being in Salt Lake City. Uh, Tus- if you've been to Tuscaloosa, you understand that. Uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to that game. That's That'll be a big one.
0: Good. You know, they got good ribs there, but other than that, it's, Utah's a little better uh, place a to hang better. out. To. A lot better. You <laughs> got it. Well, let's jump right into these
4: football games.
0: Thursday night at Stanford at Arizona State. How do you see that one?
4: I think Stanford uh, pretty convincingly. I think they're coming off a, a tough lost to us. They probably didn't feel like they played, played their best game. I think they're they're so well coached, so disciplined. Uh, you know, they, they are who they are. I think they're going to be a determined bunch. Uh, so I have Stanford, pretty convincing win.
0: Alright, maybe in the same vein, uh, we've got Colorado
4: at Washington. you got a Huskies team that's probably a little angry how things turned out last week. Absolutely, and I think Washington if you, if you just go experience and, and winning and, and probably a little bit on the talent side too, I think Colorado's a good team. Uh, I think Washington has been there, done that uh, the last couple years. So I think Washington wins, especially it's at UW. Uh, I think that's going to be a really tough test. I think Colorado will give them a little run, but I think in the second half, Washington pulls away. And you know, that
0: will obviously help Utah if Colorado can get a Definitely. second conference loss. And before we go to the Utah game, what about Arizona at UCLA? UCLA finally got a win. Uh, do, you,
4: do you feel like that's something they can build on? I do. is uh, young. They've got a lot of young guys that are starting to get the, you know, starting to, you can you can tell it's clicking a little bit, uh, and there's nothing. And they won pretty convincingly last week, uh, so I'm sure they're a little more confident. Um, Arizona didn't look as confident uh, last weekend against us. They they looked a little out of sorts. I know their their quarterback got hurt. Who knows the status right. of him? Uh, if he's not playing, I think it's UCLA by a lot. If he's playing, you know maybe it could be a close one. But I still think uh, at UCLA with how their young guys are playing right now, I think it's UCLA.
0: All right, now the one most people are excited about around here, USC at
4: Utah, that should be a good match. USC is pretty banged up, though. Yes, they are, and I, I i was following I was looking at it this morning. It looks like a couple of their guys are game time decisions, big guys, which will uh, obviously be an impact. But I think our team is going to be fired up. I think we're playing – as well as I've seen us play a long time, uh, just confidently in, in both sides of the ball. And uh, I think Utah wins by, I'm going to say, 16. Uh, I think you're right on there. I was going to ask you, when I look at the Pac-12 and Utah
0: being in it, when USC comes to Rice-Eccles Stadium, that kind of makes it real because all of a sudden, you know, you got a famed Trojan Sure. Team. In women's basketball, what's the equivalent when somebody comes to Salt Lake City?
4: That would be Stanford. That- so Stanford has the, the storied program uh, in women's basketball on a national level. Um, I don't know how many Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-12 titles they've won. The Hall of Fame legendary coach Tara VanDerveer, she's got over a thousand wins. Right, just incredible. Uh, I remember growing up in California, wishing Tara VanDerveer would recruit me, uh, but she didn't. Go figure. Uh, so, anyways, I would say definitely Stanford. Is. Yeah. yeah, Stanford is the uh, is the USC of the Pac-12 for women's basketball. And the coaching against her is that a thrill? It is. She's just a, and she's an incredible human. She wants she wants young coaches and everybody to be successful, and she's about the, she's about our conference winning, not just Stanford. Okay. Uh, and she she's an incredible ambassador for our sport, incredible. Does anything else you want to say about your team this year? No, I think we're gonna have a fun team to watch. I think uh, you know this is our fourth year coming in at Utah. It's a, such an awesome place to be, and and I think our culture's starting to stick in. I think we've got great young talent. We should be fun to watch. The league is brutal. The uh, Pac-12 is so stinking good in women's basketball as it is in, in most sports uh, so it'll be a fun challenging experience this year again uh, but I'm looking forward to getting going
0: appreciate coach Roberts joining us and sharing her picks now it's time for the real McCoy the guys here in the studio to make their picks uh, let's wander through this uh, Stanford at Arizona State Mike how do you see that one?
3: Oh, you know me I always pick Stanford so I'm going to go with Stanford
0: I'm going to have to agree and pick Stanford. I will make it three. I think that they're going to be ready to get back at it, and I'm just not sure that Arizona State is for real. Um, Colorado at Washington. I think the Huskies are going to be a little angry. I'm going to take them to win big. I don't think they even have to be angry. I think they're the better team. Washington's going to win. Let's make it 3-for-3. I think Washington's going to win. All right. Maybe we'll get some differences here on Arizona at UCLA. I think I'm drinking, since we're on the Kool-Aid topic, at least I am, I'm going to drink some blue Kool-Aid and think that UCLA is going to get another win. Mike?
3: Uh, UCLA had 37 last week, and Arizona scored 10. I think uh, maybe it's going to be something like that. I think Arizona's kind of shot their wad for the year, and I think UCLA's coming on strong. So it's at UCLA let's go with UCLA
2: I know that uh, Khalil Tate is out so Rich Rodriguez's son is starting and I just have to go with the fighting Chip Kellys
0: you can't go with a guy named rat, huh you don't nope I'm feeling that Gone with the Wind vibe. That was a movie a long time ago, by the way, Trent. I've seen that one. Okay. <laughs> back, when, back when you were a kid, right? <laughs> yes, I think it came out when I was in junior high. But, and now the big one, USC at Utah. You know, I think USC is so banged up that it doesn't make this. I don't think this is going to qualify to be one of the great tight games that these two teams have played the last couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if Utah wins this by 10 to 14. Trent? I mean,
2: like I talked about earlier, Clay Helton's USC is not very good on the road. They're not consistent. Utah's playing great. I think Utah wins by two touchdowns.
3: Yeah, I was I was surprised that Utah's a six-and-a-half point favorite. You know, I thought it would probably be pretty even, but right. uh, you know, I guess because they're in, injured, like you said, USC is. But I'm going to go with Utah, but uh, with the, the caveat that I think Utah's going to win the battle and lose the war. I think they're going to win this game, but USC's going to win the division when it all, all is said and done.
0: All right. Well, I will beg to dip for with you on that because I'm just not sure Oregon is completely for real, but we have been able to see what Herbert's been able to do at Rice Eccles Stadium, and who knows what he will do for an encore. That'll be interesting. Do you guys know what time it is? What What time time is it? it? It's time for Utah by 5. This week Amy Donaldson caught up with former Utah quarterback Frank Dolce. He used to do the color commentary for the radio, and uh, take it away, Tom Barberi.
4: I'm Tom
5: Barberi, and it's time for Utah by 5, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. All right, Frank. Give me the years you played. 1991 and 1992, and, but I registered in 1990.
6: Okay, and you came from California?
5: Southern California, yes. Right. Culver City to- High School, El Camino Junior College.
6: A uh, Favorite memory about playing at Utah? Do you have a favorite game or a favorite? No, I, I think the, I mean, there are lots of
5: things that were... Very memorable about playing, and I could pick out several different plays, but the, I think the thing that you end up missing the most is just being part of a group like that and you're so close and you do everything together and you have this instant family and which is nice especially for a guy like me and for guys who come to utah from out of town you have a a Mm built-in crew so yeah just those relationships are probably the, the best memories i have
6: what did you take um from the experience uh i i you know drew
5: Brees just just broke the record just broke Peyton Manning's record mm-hmm. uh for most yards and um he was saying they were asking him about sports and his life and mm-hmm. because he said to his kids you know if you really want something you go for it and some something like that yeah. right after he broke the record yeah. and I I think that I'm agreeing with him in that There's not many places where you can learn all of the life lessons, all of these valuable life lessons without participating on an athletic field or in some athletic endeavor. And I think that it teaches you all of these things about setting goals and preparation and how to manage failure and how to manage winning and relationships with people from all different walks of life. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: And I, you know, maybe, maybe there are other more technical things you learn outside of being on a, on an athletic field or in, in, in a competition. But, but I think as far as a foundation, I don't know where else you would get, that kind of an education.
6: When did you start uh, broadcasting?
5: So I was lucky enough to start broadcasting immediately following my senior year. So I I finished, we finished playing in 1992. I graduated in 1993, and I happened to be sitting at the senior banquet with Bill Marcroft. And at that point, they split the TV broadcast and the radio broadcast. It used to be simulcast. Mm -hmm. They split the two. Neil Hansey decided to stay TV. Bill Marcroft went with the radio, and he needed a color analyst. And he said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And had that was you, it.
6: Had you taken any broadcast classes?
5: No. No. No, but I, <laughs> so. I think that I was the favorite interview of any journalist at that time. That mm. is not confirmed, but I believe that to be true. Was that
6: because you said the most inflammatory
4: things, or? <laughs> I, that
5: was probably not at all. That would be Mike Lewis, who, who said the most inflammatory things. But uh, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I think I had a leg up because... Bruce Woodbury, who was the longtime sports information director, yeah. would come and grab all the interviews after the game. And, and he would never pick me if we won. He would only pick me if we lost. And I'm, I am only guessing he did that because he thought I would manage it the right way.
6: Okay. All right. And so... You start a Color and us How many uh, other broadcasters did you work with? Bill Marcroft and then I, was there... There were several. Okay. There were several. I think
5: in total there were four I worked with. Bill Marcroft, Matt Thomas, mm-hmm. Bill Riley, mm-hmm. Mike Lagasholt, Bill Riley.
6: Okay. And, um, and you left last, was this in the summer?
5: this year. This year. Okay. Correct.
6: And uh was that tough?
5: Yes. Why? It, well, it was tough because I didn't leave.
6: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> there was a there was a change of direction. Yeah. And uh and so after 24 years then Mm-hmm. It was time to move on.
6: Did they tell you we're t- changing direction, or what? How did you find out?
5: Yes, I got a uh, I got a uh, text message about getting together. It didn't sound positive, <laughs> so I just made a phone call, yeah. and then we we discussed what uh-huh. was happening.
6: If you had to describe the Utah culture when you were a player, how mm-hmm. would you describe it? And is it different now?
5: The Utah culture, when I arrived, mm-hmm. was uh, a culture of, I think, lack of productivity
3: mm-hmm.
5: and maybe even a lack of toughness in mm-hmm. lots of ways, mental, physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that culture changed immediately with Ron McBride. Okay. He came in and his was to create um, a a team and a culture and a program that win or lose, whoever the opponent was, Mm -hmm. they knew that they were in a dogfight with somebody. And there was effort and there was attitude and there was this desire to win and this expectation built that... We were going to win. We are going to win a lot of football games. And I think that foundation that Ron McBride laid it's still is the undertone of Utah football today, even through Urban Meyer, who's completely different stylistically, yeah. um, and through Coach Whittingham. That's, I think that's the thing you get from anybody who plays against Utah. is You better button on your chin strap a little tighter because you're going to be in a contest
0: all right good to hear from Frank Dolce again he did the Ute broadcast for years and years it was nice of Amy to catch up with him we appreciate both of them this week Uh, guys final segment uh, Trent it's homecoming up at the U and since you're single I just gotta ask do you have a date for the big dance only if it's you Dirt well (laughs) you know what Uh, I probably wouldn't go for that but we'll see I'll check into it I'd settle for Austin but he'd say no (laughs) (laughs) we're tough guys you know hey uh, Mike you had a chance to Go to Pac 12 Media Day for basketball. Uh, they have a night with the Running Utes this week. Uh, what, what's your early vibe on this basketball team? Are they really the eighth best team in the Pac 12?
3: I think, uh, as usual, Utah's going to probably uh, exceed expectations. They do that every year under Kristoviak. They've done it all but one of the years he's been there. And think thing about this year, they got nine new guys. I don't think, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, they're supposed to be great, some of the best recruits they've ever had. So if they turn right. out like they're supposed to, they could have a really good year. I mean, the only guys yet we know about are Bearfield and and your favorite player, Parker Van Dyke. East Dyke. All yeah, right. So, uh, other than that, you know, it's kind of like a brand new team, uh, but they got some great uh, recruits in, and so we'll see if they're as good as they're supposed to be, and if they can. It might take them a month or two to kind of get. To, they might lose some of these preseason tough games they have. They go to Kentucky and Minnesota, and they got to play in that tournament in LA. So, you know, it's going to be maybe a, a bit of a you know growing up period during the preseason. But I think they're going to be pretty good once all said and done. And they might even get in the in the top four, or get that buy again this year. Well,
0: that'd be nice. You know, I'm kind of looking forward to that uh, game in the Huntsman Center with Nevada non-conference game. That should be a really good game. I think that's around New Year's Eve or close to it. When you'll be at one of the bowl
3: games, I'm sure
0: that yes, day I will it. be. I'll be savoring in the fun of uh, another bowl game that doesn't really matter. But uh, hopefully the Utes can go on a roll here and get that. Hey, guys, I want to thank you. I want to thank our listeners. Uh, just a reminder, you can get this on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, DeseretNews.com. And just a reminder that uh, our Pick'em's segment, segment, Segment is sponsored by Deseret News Grid Picks. Get aboard, make some picks, win some prizes. So again, thank you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.